This episode of Hockey Press Pass is presented in part by the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village. Unplug your game. Buy board games. Play board games. Food and drink. Fun. And friends. guest is Molly Walker, the fantastic NHL Islanders, Rangers, Devils reporter for the New York Post and one of the co-hosts of the very, very popular, I know this for sure, I've seen the rankings, <laughs> Up in the Blue Seats, the Rangers podcast from the Post. Thanks for doing this, Molly. Your hard work and the skill you showed at UMass, uh, relentlessly writing for the Daily Collegian. We had the LaSalle Collegian where I went in Philadelphia. Uh, it earned you a quick rise uh, to the NHL with the New York Post. Has, has this, you know, just as a per, on a personal level, has this been a whirlwind for you? It definitely has been. You know, I didn't really think about it until the other day when I was in Seattle. Ryan Clark came up to me and said, wow, you've come a long way since the press box at UMass. And I didn't, you know, that was one of the first times that I really was like, you know, it has, especially now that I'm actually doing the job to the fullest extent, the traveling and the really being the number two beat writer for the New York Rangers. Um, it It's definitely come into focus for me and I am so lucky my experience at UMass absolutely shaped me to be who I am today as a journalist as a person I can't thank the people that I worked with my professors my editors at the Daily Collegian everything that they did for me to help me get to where I am today I uh, will never be able to pay, repay anybody for sure. Any specific examples at UMass, the, the people you're referring to of, of lessons learned or maybe a turning point for you where you're like, I, I need to raise my game. I need to work harder at this. I have a, need to have a different approach or, you know, some of the, can you give some of the best practices you learned at school? Absolutely. You know, honestly, from the moment that I started classes there, one of my first classes was an intro to journalism class and I specifically took it with the director of the sports journalism concentration Steve Fox that was very strategic of me and it was the best decision I ever made because he really let me hit the ground running he as part of his curriculum brought us down to the office of the Daily Collegian said you should be joining this organization right here this is what you should be doing and I was actually like okay and I had the confidence to walk into the sports meeting as the only female in the room and said, yes, I am in the right place and I would like to write for this group right here. And that's just how it started for me. And honestly, every person that I came in, in contact with, all, all of the older uh, editors at the Daily Collegian and everybody else, professors, really just told me that I could do anything that I wanted to do, chase any story, join any club, cover any team. So it was a unique program in the sense that it's not a Mizzou or it's not a Maryland. It's professor student ratio two to one. So I had a great relationship with, with my professors and was able to really develop relationships and get good career advice. And I definitely feel like that just set the tone early so I was I'm, I was involved with um, the Associated Women in Sports Media we had a chapter I did a um, women in sports media symposium where we invited 
prominent women in sports to come and speak and share their experiences and we had themes and just learning about the history of, of women in sports and such. So I really, I, I spread myself pretty thin in, in college as far as that, but it was so worth it because I feel like I was doing exactly what I needed to be doing to train myself to, you know, do what I'm doing now. Now I feel like I have the reps, I'm comfortable. I was able to get started right away. You know, I, I, hockey was like the only sport I did. I'm not saying I played any sports well, but it literally was like the only sport I didn't play, and I wound up working for the local team for a long time. Uh, I've read that hockey, you didn't play hockey, but it was nope. but it was the sport that if you could call your shot to the extent that anyone can, that it would be the one that you would cover. How did your love for the game come about? My mother. <laughs> my mom is a diehard Rangers fan her whole life. It was her everything, every player, every, that 1994 cup, it was her whole life. And she just had such a love and passion for the game. And I was a, an athlete growing up. So I've always had an appreciation for athletes and sports in general, but I started to pay attention to hockey around eighth grade because of my mom. My mom would watch every game every night, like, like clockwork. So I finally started to pay attention and I was actually like, wow, this sport is unbelievable it's unlike every other sport that i've played and any other sport that i had been involved with so so i was just fascinated by it and and wanted to know more about it and i just i really enjoyed the sport itself and thought it was probably the toughest sport in the world as well <laughs> so i thought i think that my appreciation for athletes in general is what drew me to hockey because it's just such a unique sport and such a unique fan base I, I like thinking how with any with NBA and, and NFL teams, like if you could say a bunch of stats, nobody will really pay attention. But if you say a stat to a hockey fan and it's wrong or something, they will know. <laughs> they will know because they, they know everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I love it. Did you, uh, was covering the UMass hockey team, did, did you start to develop – you know, me, you know, I don't know, signature style. I don't know if that's overdoing it, but something that, you know, you would try to convey the excitement of the team or of certain players. Like, was there a style that developed over time that then you took to the post? Absolutely. Um, I, I more so figured out that I love features. I love humanizing stories. I love speaking to players' families and learning why they are the way that they are, how they became who they are today. To, to cover an athlete that is the best at what they do, that is getting to go to college for free because of this talent that they have. Everybody has a story for how they got there and, and has something that drives them or something emotional that happened in their lives. And to be tr entrusted with that story and to, and to tell it right and to you know give them that sort of publicity that lets everybody know this is who I am. I think it's a tremendous honor and I fell in love with that aspect of journalism. And that really started while I was covering the hockey team. I wrote a story about um, the goaltender, Matt Murray. He had a, three friends that was in the Humboldt Broncos hockey team car cra uh, bus crash that passed away. And I sat down with him. I remember arranging the interview with the SID and everything, you know, wanted to get his permission, make sure he was comfortable with it. And I sat down with him one-on-one -on -one in the practice rink and, you know, he cried in the, in the interview. And, but to this day, it's still one of my favorite stories that I've ever gotten to tell because it was 
also the first story that really made me fall in love with those humanizing stories. And is another signature piece like that. Uh, it's still pinned on your Twitter. I, that might be on purpose. Yes. On Long yeah. on Long Long Island's own, uh, we have some mutual friends. Anthony Botetto uh, is that an example? And what you know, maybe take us a little inside uh, the reporting on that. How you were able to get to his family and the different people on that. It was just such a colorful story. It was there was so much love wrapped in it, wrapped in every little story and 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 landmark through that throughout the piece. Um, I I reached out. I found his family, and and my editors were really the ones that that gave me the story. They said this is a local guy. He had just scored his first goal uh, for the for the team, and and he grew up in Long Island, and he was a Ranger fan apparently. So they were like, you know, find out what his deal was and. When I got in touch with his mother, that was it. You know, that was she was all I needed, honestly. She was a gem of a woman. She was, first of all, she was just so starstruck that she was getting interviewed for her story. <laughs> that was so, you can imagine what she was like. But she was, she gave, she just got it. She gave every detail. And uh, the best was the waving of the of the Rangers flag outside of the ch- of their church, with a sign that said "Congratulations, Anthony." I mean, just just those little nuggets like that, I think, are are so colorful and just make reading about these athletes and, and why they are the way that they are just so much better. You know, to asking, getting to ask his mom, you know. When was the first time that, that your son brought up that he might be signed by the New York Rangers, the team that is your – he was also her her favorite team, her and her husband are huge diehard fans. They went to the cup parade without their kids, like <laughs> real diehards. So it, it was it was cool, and, and it's awesome that there's been a couple – like Adam Fox grew up a huge Ranger fan, so I did a similar story for him. So it's you gotta love when when they end up playing for the hometown team. It's just oh, there's always a story there. Was it? Did you get the news kind of officially from a post editor that hey, congrats, you're on the hockey beat now, or was it a gradual thing? Or yeah, you know, I want to picture it that it was this great <laughs> moment, and you know you 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 know. But but my guess is maybe that didn't go that way. Very early on, even when I was an intern, um, at first they let me go to. Um, they tried to let us go to one sport, one one of each one event of each sport, whether a practice game, whatever. So, I was like, I'd really love to go to the Rangers training camp, and I went and I did a story, and then they loved the story so much they sent me back the next day, and I wasn't even supposed to go. So that was a indication to me that they liked me there. So, I con- continued with it, and by the time I was about half a year on the job I really started to transition into doing a lot of backup Rangers uh, coverage and then during the pandemic our second um, hockey writer was furloughed and I stepped into his his position and you know it it progressed from there then they wanted me to co-host the podcast and and now I am traveling with the team to every city so it's it's definitely gotten progressively gone up but uh, i couldn't be happier it's so fun so you're the first beat writer and by the way i'd correct something you you would say uh and uh, it, it, you undersold yourself especially so you're the number one rangers writer at the post and larry larry is the rangers and nhl columnist 
So that's true. That, that's, that's true. Even if that's not official, I am designating Larry the <laughs> well, Rangers and uh, he, he he gets he's a Hall of Famer and you've earned your spot. So, but, but you're the first beat writer that we've had on the show mid season. And I honestly don't know because I, from what I understand, it, it's a little bit different from team to team. So when you're on the road, or even just in general, a practice in Westchester or wherever, um, is there some locker room time, face-to-face time, or is still everything done in Zoom? So what is your experience? It's Thankfully, they're not doing Zoom. I'm pretty sure the only NHL team that's doing Zoom still is the Islanders, okay. unfortunately. But the Rangers, we do uh, press conference settings. So it is face-to-face. The media has to wear masks. The players sit uh, at the table in front of us. Um, and it's at least it's, it's hey, the face-to-face, it's just so much better, no matter what. It's so much better than Zoom. It's so much more personal. And it's just much easier to get better answers that way so can't really complain but hopefully we will be back in the locker room soon because that's very very important and so basically the everything is like the coach's press conference right then they bring out two guys but you're in the room as opposed to over yes okay essentially and what happens if you want to do a molly walker special and and, and do a, a piece i'll just make this up on you know the the tri- the childhood of whoever right, right? Kreider. um and you want so you want extra time do you go to if it's ryan nissan now in that spot like do you go to them and and maybe it's a phone call but it's it's more time because obviously you can't do that with other reporters there so what how how do you accomplish that yeah i would go to ryan nissan and and the pr staff and try to schedule a one-on-one so um you know it's it's been a little difficult uh with their schedule obviously um and obviously they probably don't really want to be doing it so they're not trying that hard to help mm-hmm. accommodate but i am i actually do have my first one-on-one next week um with jacob truba so they're trying to do they're trying to help mm-hmm. us out trying to throw us a bone a little bit so but you know when it, i'm hoping i'm actually hoping to do a feature on ryan reeves soon so when i i'm going to also request a one-on-one for that mm-hmm. so hopefully in those instances where i'm saying i'm doing a much you know you're gonna get 25 35 inches in the new york post if you let me do this hopefully it'll have some leverage and maybe i I understand phone would normally literally just a phone call would be not not the desired thing but that would be better as an option it seems to me if you if it meant you got to spread out a little bit and talk for a while I honestly, at this point in time, now that we finally are allowed to be face to face with them, I'm going for that option every time. Mm-hmm. I, just from a developing relationship standpoint, I think it's so important. I would much rather prolong the story and wait to do the sit down one on one interview than over the phone now that we finally are allowed to. Totally get that. And they got you good drove for the podcast. I don't know if yes. that's, is that going to be a somewhat regular thing or you take them as they come? Uh, Regular is a loose <laughs> term um, when they can accommodate. Okay. Yes, okay. They, were, they will finally be available for podcast uh, interviews now. <laughs> okay. How is it covering, and obviously I want to touch on the Islanders too, because yeah, when all is said and done right now, you've probably written as much about the Islanders because of probably. their because of oh, their yeah. playoff run, something I never would have said when in my time working for the team. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, what has it been like covering the Rangers? It's a very general question, but uh, is, is 
accommodations, accessibility within reason? Are, are you uh, the, the spirit around the team? Can you give us a little bit of a flavor for that? Because really now more than ever, we don't get that, right? Because we, yeah. so I'm asking you. Absolutely. I mean, coming from a team like the Islanders, where they're not doing any, you know, face-to-face access, mm. I can't complain, you yeah. know, knowing that that's happening just, you know, <laughs> across the way. Um, I, it makes me very grateful for being able to do in-person interviews. And I thank the Rangers for that, you know, so much. Um, it's, I, I've, I've loved it. It really has been a, a, a great time. Um, I think that they, there's probably more that they could do, but obviously in this day and age when they ha- they do have the power at the moment, um, that they're going to hold that power for as long as they can. But that's, I got involved with the PHWA this year. I became the Rangers chapter chair and, you know, being on that executive board is something that I would love to do eventually. And cause it's about fighting for the access. Like, I think that's the next big thing that's coming is fighting to get back into the locker room. I feel it in my bones. It's coming, you know, it's almost like, like in game of Thrones, winter is coming. Like I know that that locker room access battle is coming and I'm ready to be right in the thick of it because I think it's so important. And for me, I came into the league like right at the tail end of it. So I got a taste of it. I had just started to get on a first name basis with the players in the locker room. I had just started to feel comfortable in that setting and then it was taken at all and then it was taken all away. So I probably compared to some other people am clawing to get back in there. So that's why I feel like I am a good voice to help that cause, which is eventually coming. But I mean, otherwise, very grateful that we we're at least doing podium setting and hopefully the world is trending in the right direction that there will come a time where COVID isn't a you know reasonable excuse anymore more hockey press pass with Chris Botta and Molly Walker next hey guys it's Pat and I want to tell you about Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore a huge selection of hobby and family strategy board games for sale from old favorites to the hottest new releases a library of over 400 board games for open play every day. Our staff help you pick out games and show you how to play. Find your crowd at one of our Magic, The Gathering, Pokemon, or Dungeons & Dragons events for adults and kids, including our D&D after-school program, offered both virtually and in person. A full-service cafe, food and drink, coffee and desserts, beer and wine, fun and friends. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village, Go to MainStreetBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Unplug your game. Larry Brooks is a uh, exceptional man uh, who uh, uh, I, my experiences were always positive with, even when we debated or worse, <laughs> debated might be a friendly word. Uh, he would always, he more than me, I uh, was a better person and would come to me and you know yes he's famous because of uh uh john tortorella and that silliness but uh 
I, I, I don't know the answer to this question, but I, I am anxious to hear of what your experiences are. I'm going to guess uh, that they're great, uh, but I, can you shine a light uh, for the people who only uh, know them on Twitter and reading them for all these years in the post, uh, what it has been like to work with Mr. Brooks? I saw someone on Twitter said something to the effect of, Molly, I love the side of Brooksy that you bring out. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I agree. I think that <laughs> I think that I am a young presence in his life that makes him look at hockey differently again and, and excitingly again. So to be able to do that for a man that I have been reading since I've been 10 years old and he hates when I say that back because it dates him. But <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, it's, it's an absolute honor and privilege for me. And he is he is such a such a great man and such a professional and just one of the best in the business just his pulse on the rangers is you know he owns new york he owns new york you know frank saravelli owns the nhl you know all those other guys own the nhl but nobody owns new york like larry brooks and for that you know he'll go down as one of the best in the business that, it, that, that it's ever seen. So to be able to learn from him and when we went to Washington together, which I think is going to be the only trip that we, unless there's playoffs in the, in the future, uh, I think that'll be the only stuff we do. The, the only trip we'll do on the road together. But I picked his brain from the moment we got into the car until the moment he dropped me off. <laughs> I asked every question under the sun, how to do things, how to network, how to source, anything that I can think of because when when else am I going to get this time to you know pick the brain of one of the best to ever do it and he's he couldn't be any more gracious couldn't be any more helping and I know that he got me the job at the post mm -hmm. I know he did because I had asked uh, my editor when I was you know about to graduate I was like you know I'm ready do you have anything for me? And the answer was no, you need to look elsewhere. And I actually accepted a job with NBC Sports as a ticker researcher, you know, writing like the breaking news on the bottom of, of, <laughs> of the broadcasts. So I Larry had a, tried to help me with jobs. He had tried to send me openings within the league and stuff. So he wanted to keep in touch and know what I was going to do. And I told him that I had had accepted the job and I know he turned around and said to Chris, yeah, Molly's gone. <laughs> you know, if, this is the time if, if you, you know, want to get her. So, and uh, I think he pushed for it. And that's a hundred percent the reason why they, they suddenly had my dream job available. So for that, I could never, never repay him. And it's, it's been a pleasure getting to know him. That's great to hear. He is a true hall of famer in, in, in every way. Are you, Absolutely. have you been inspired or were you to hear you say you've been reading Larry since you were 10 and I've been, yeah. I'm going to put up, but it's only about 13 years ago and I haven't, I, that's about when I stopped working for the elders. So, uh, that, there's your perspective there. Um, my, or perspective for me. Um, that's, 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 that's okay. Um, I, have you been inspired? Well, going back to this, I want to say 12 years ago, she went your path a little bit, interned at Newsday, beat writer at Newsday. So Katie Strang, um, who yes. has just become, has been 
uh, for a while now, not has become, uh, but certainly in the news a lot in the last month or so uh, for breaking the news along with Rick Westhead. Uh, but is what do you think of Katie and her work? I've unfortunately never gotten to meet her, but have admired her from afar for a very long time since I started following the industry, since I knew that this was the space that I wanted to work in. I mean, just the stuff that she's, just the work that she's done around the league and, and the justice that she's brought to players and to just the culture of hockey in general is, you know, she should she should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame next, truly. She, sh- she should be online 100%. Uh, I, I can only hope that I get to meet her soon. <laughs> I assure you, you will. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, in the time you've been at this, uh, yeah, things have shut down. So you will, and, and she's a great mentor to many people. Uh, kind of an out-of-left-field question, and throw out the Zoom and the, the access, but how would you compare... Uh, two uh, good men, uh, insightful men, but very different approaches. The 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 post game and the post practice briefings of Barry Trotz and Gerard Gallant. Barry Trotz is one of the most unbelievable hockey minds that I have ever spoken to since I started my career. And we're going back to Greg Carville at UMass, who is also on that list as well. But but Barry Trotz is just a mastermind. I'm pretty sure that was the headline we put on the story that I wrote about him because, because that is what he is. And to have a coach that can put it better than I ever could is a luxury that not every NHL writer has. There are times where Barry will go on a tangent and I'm like, well, he just wrote half my story because that whole thing just has to be included. <laughs> and that's just by, by itself, as selfishly, such a luxury for me, but also as a person, he is a, a great man. And in doing the feature that I did on him, talking to people that he has gone through his career, met, met along the way throughout his career, you could just tell how much respect he commands around the league. Because not only is he brilliant at what he does, but he's a good person and a good human being. Um, I remember during the Tampa Bay series last season, I got a really funny email from some random person that told me that I sounded like a sorority schoolgirl when I referred to Barry Trotz as Barry. And I got a kick out of it, so I tweeted it. But apparently there's like this giant journalistic debate about what we should be calling coaches. So it kind of blew up. And the next day at practice, you know, we're doing the Zoom from the stands in the arena in Tampa. And Barry speaks, and then he walks off camera, and my phone buzzes. And it's the Islanders PR guy. And I pick up, and he's like, hey. And I'm like, hey. And he's like, Barry wants to talk to you. I said, what? Barry gets on the phone. He's like, hey, Molly. And I'm like, Barry? (laughs) And he's like, I just wanted to let you know that you can call me Barry whenever you want. He was like, I saw the Twitter post. He was like, I saw the email they got. He was like, I just wanted to let you know that I really enjoy working with you. Your questions are always insightful. You're a real professional. And you can call me whatever you want. (laughs) Like... Barry, that is so nice of you to say. Like, thank you. And that was it. And then he hung up, and I texted Kimber, and I was like, oh, my God. And he was like, it was his idea. And that is just the kind of person that Barry is. He is just 
always willing to, you know, try to make you feel included to, you know, let, and he'll let you know what he's thinking. If he thinks he, yeah, you ask a stupid question too, we'll let you know, you know? Mm-hmm. So absolute pleasure to cover Barry Trotz. And sometimes I, I miss him writing my stories for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I would have that experience once while I was a writer where selfishly I'd actually get a little bummed because, uh, you know, this assistant coach or that head coach or even occasionally a player uh, would be so insightful. And I'd be like, oh, man, not only are they a better athlete than I am, they could probably kill me in tennis, golf and all the other sports and basketball. And, uh, and they're but they're also better at the words thing than I and like that's what that's what I you know so it would a little depress me. So uh, I'm glad to hear about Barry. I, I Gerard Gallant was a Islanders assistant coach uh, before even before you started to read Larry Brooks, and um, but not that long ago he was I was under Ted Nolan in the mid two thousands mid to late two thousands. Um, he his bark is bigger than his bite. He's got a big smile. I think when he smiles, it kind of you know just opens things up. But you're in this kind of stodgy setting with the, with tables probably all the time. But any uh, your thoughts on on Gerard so far and, and what it's been like to work with him? He's definitely different than any type of coach I've I've, I've covered before. He's very old school. Mm-hmm. He's got a very different approach. He's very he's probably the least panicked coach I've, I, and for New York that really says something he has he is so far from hitting the panic button like he at all times no matter how bad the loss is no matter how bad the performance is he just is always calm cool and collected nonchalant rolls right off his back and he's very like he keeps it simple too you know he doesn't look at hockey as this elaborate you know just lots of x's and o's he just he's very straightforward with it and when we try to get him to dive into the nitty-gritty stuff he's always kind of just like i don't know it's just how i thought you know type deal so i can appreciate him for that obviously it's a little bit more tough when they're like that but um i appreciate him for for the type of coach that he is and so far it has really been well received by the rangers players it is very very jarring how many of the players specifically referenced how different it is from last season from essentially saying from David Quinn Mm -hmm. they have talked about the feeling around the team they've talked about the simplicity of the system just whatever the difference was it's been very well received by the Rangers and particularly the veteran core like Brian Strom, Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad. They are, you know, very comfortable playing under Gallant and I think that they like the change a lot. It, it may be a little early to say, but is it possible? And I know the Islanders certainly feel good about their goaltending situation, but is it possible that in Shusterkin, um that we could have a, a star in, in the city? As well. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And I think I got to give J- uh, Jillian Kemmerer, the KHL reporter, uh, credit for this one. We had her on the podcast right when Shusterkin and Sorokin, it was going to be their first season, you know, head to head together. And we, we brought her on the show to evaluate the two. And she pointed out that Shusterkin has a showmanship about him. Mm-hmm. 
that Sorokin doesn't really have. Sorokin's a little bit more like straight between the ears and, you know, but Shesterkin has flair to him. And that is why I think we have a star upon us and someone who is going to shine under the bright lights of Broadway. So I, I so far, you know, it's, it's obviously a small sample size, but I mean, he has picked up right where Henrik Lundqvist left off, essentially keeping them in every single game, stealing win after win, and just being a, a very reliable, but also highlight reel providing goaltender good good i mean i, I root for that I, I guess i did grow up an islander fan and a former employee uh but i i root uh, i'm old-fashioned still I, I like to get closer to that back page i like personalities so Absolutely. yeah so somebody like him emerging uh, only helps speaking of the back page in new york post I feel I know fans take these things for granted. Islander fans that you know you get to the final eight or the final four that that's just a guarantee. But I have a pretty good handle as a former PR director for the freaking team that you um, that I know what the ratings or the equivalent of ratings are and the clicks and what sells. And 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 by the way, hockey it's not you know Rangers are above the Islanders. The Rangers are also below the Jets. And you know I know what that hierarchy is yeah. like. And the Knicks. And so when the post gives the back page there's something uh, good going on there um so what was your experience like covering the the islanders in in the playoff run last year i'll tell you they have a very very special team they have a team that has an intangible chemistry and connection camaraderie that is so hard to develop I think not only in this day and age with how much movement there is in the league, but just as a group of professionals, they are all best friends, have been for years. Their wives hang out on the regular, take pictures together, like are to have playdates with their children, go trick or treating together. It is such it every essence of the word team is what the islanders are right now and i think that they have a two to three year window even though they do have an aging team and an aging defense i you know there are definitely holes here but they have a very very strong foundation this team is built to last and they can grind through the league and that tampa that the two tampa bay series for the last two seasons were just it was riveting it really was. It was, I mean, two, two very unique teams, one with so much star power and firepower, and then the other one that's just built to last and capitalize on every mistake. And it was just, it, what a great matchup. And it was a pleasure to watch. And then to finally get to go to Tampa Bay and cover it in person and do the whole play. That was my first real travel experience was going back and forth from Tampa to New York. And it was, it was beyond, it was so exciting to be able to cover the NHL semifinals is, it's unbelievable. So I, and in Tampa Bay, no less spent my off days by the pool. <laughs> there are worse things. <laughs> not, not, not a bad gig. The, uh, I, uh, I imagine you hear from Islander fans who now think that you've left them. Uh, to yes. cover them, uh, I'd be doing the same thing. I, I have a burn, I have a burner account. That's me. Who you hear from? Um, but and by the way, you might not know, or you might not be able to divulge. It, but is there? Is do we know if the posts will cover? Like I, I would think you'd have to have somebody at least at the home games. 
Yes, we finally just hired, actually, okay. a another general assignment. Someone similar to me, uh, who I, I was actually an intern with him, Ethan Sears. Um, so he's now a new general assignment reporter specializing in the Islanders. So he actually accepted a job with the um, Red Wings uh, after he graduated Michigan. But the post came calling same thing with me and, huh? and, and offered him a job. So he's still in Michigan now, which is fine because the Islanders are obviously on their 13 game road trip, but hopefully he'll be back soon. And, and we, we, we are covering them now okay. <laughs> through the regular season. Yes. We trust me, Larry and I advocated for that. We were like, this is embarrassing. This is the number, you know, the number one team in the league for, for the last, you know, two seasons or so and we pick up in the playoffs it's it's unacceptable so they finally heard us loud and clear and, and rectified the situation i'm glad you brought that up because that is something that i did when i actually was with the team and had and did a blog on PR back then, and I would try to convey to the fans another thing about Larry is uh, he always advocated for coverage of our team. It's something that I don't think people know, or you might say, well, that's his job. No, actually, it isn't. He's assigned where he's supposed to be. Right. He doesn't have to fight with editors or debate or, or uh, protest or make the case for Absolutely. it, so, so I, I do appreciate that. And then and not to get too far ahead because it is way early, but the team that goes the furthest gets Brooks and Walker, right? Like, right at the <laughs> yes. end, you know. Yes. So there, there's more inspiration for for Absolutely. the Islanders to, to go to, <laughs> to, to go to go further. Well, let's just say uh, when Larry picked them to win the Stanley Cup, and I had them going to the Stanley Cup and losing, but I we both had them in the final for our NHL picks, and we both got a very nice text from Kimber saying how much they loved the spread in the paper. <laughs> and while we were like, yeah, we're sure you did. Oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> lastly, uh, what would be, you're not too far removed from this, you, you said it, not me, uh, what is your advice to young people, you know, maybe ninth, tenth, and grade and above, uh, who want to do this, whether it be in sports or in some other, you know, what are your top line pieces of advice for them? Get your reps in as soon as humanly possible. Figure out what you want to do, whether it's a certain sport, whether it's newspaper, on camera, radio, podcasting, whatever it is, you need to start building a portfolio now because real life experience is all that matters. Do not go for your master's in journalism. There is nothing more that you can learn in the classroom. Just get right out there. Start writing for a blog or a local newspaper. You know, doesn't matter how small you start to get the reps in. Just makes future employers know that you know what you're doing. And that's all that matters in this industry. So start now. Start as soon as humanly possible for that. And, you know, also don't aim low. And especially when you're trying to network and, and, you know, reach out to people in the industry, you will be so surprised how many people will respond and be willing to lend a helping hand. And you never know who's going to be taken with you. So shoot high. Everybody in this business has been given a, a helping hand at one point and is looking to pay it forward. So... Well, you just did because that's great advice, and I'm sure you'll you'll be helpful to uh, the next uh, the next group that that, that come up. So, always, uh, uh, you were just fantastic and generous with your time at, at a busy time. I, thank you so much uh, for doing this, Molly. I really appreciate it.
course. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. All right, a great and insightful episode from Molly Walker of the New York Post. We thank you guys, as always, for listening and tuning in, and we urge you to please rate, review, and subscribe. Five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And stay tuned in next week. We'll have a new episode with new guests, new Islanders 4-check episodes coming up soon, and we hear from the Hockey Press Pass team, along with Chris Botta and everybody else. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving and a happy holidays. And we can't wait to bring another episode to you next week. For everybody else on the team, this is Pat Boyle. We'll see you again on Hockey Press Pass. Hockey Press Pass.